Good morning. I'm Pastor Dan from Life Church, and today we're beginning a new message series called Jesus in Action. And in this series, we're going to be studying Jesus' actions in the Gospel of Mark. Now, Mark is the shortest gospel, and it gives a, a greater emphasis on Jesus' actions than his words. Mark shows the power of the Spirit working through Jesus in many miracles. Mark was written for Christians in Rome in the early 60s AD. This was a time of severe persecution for the church. Many believers were tortured and martyred under the Emperor Nero, including Peter and Paul. And so Mark was written to strengthen the faith of believers in that difficult time. Mark emphasizes Jesus' power over both demons and sickness. And I believe that this series, Jesus in Action, is a timely series for the season in which we live. Jesus in action is the solution for every problem that we face. Why? Because Jesus is still in action, doing the same things he did while here on earth through the Holy Spirit. Now, our message for this Sunday is entitled, Follow Me. And we're going to begin with the first chapter in Mark. Now, Mark does not begin with the birth of Christ, as Matthew and Luke do. Rather, Mark begins with the ministry of the prophet John the Baptist. Now, God appointed John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus the Messiah. John preached a message of the kingdom of God and the need for repentance. John baptized people in water as they repented and confessed their sin. And so John was the last Old Testament prophet. John taught in Mark 1.8, he said, I have baptized you with water, but he, speaking of Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so here we see at the very beginning of the book of Mark, two keys for believers to live in the power that Jesus had. The first is water baptism by immersion. And the second is being baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus himself. Jesus emphasized water baptism in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 19. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so as we'll see today, disciples are followers of Jesus. And these disciples are to be water baptized after they become believers and then taught to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And let's see what else Jesus commanded in Acts 1 verse 4 and 5. He says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so the water-baptized disciples were to wait for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And this spirit baptism would give them the power to carry out God's purposes. Finally, we see in Acts 2.38 the three marks of a true biblical church and of a spirit-empowered disciple of Jesus. Peter said to the people at the day of Pentecost, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so here we have salvation through repentance, water baptism, and finally the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is spirit baptism. And so as we begin this study of Mark, we're going to see how Jesus is our example to follow. And God desires for us to learn how to follow Jesus in every aspect of our lives. 
Following Jesus is not an option for a believer. To be a believer, you must be a follower of Jesus. And so let's begin our study of Mark chapter 1. The first principle that we're going to learn today is we ought to follow Jesus in obedience. Our story begins in verse 9. It says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And so we begin our study of Jesus in Mark chapter 1 by seeing him baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. Now John was baptizing many people as a sign of their repentance from sin. But since Jesus had no sin, why was he getting baptized? Well, we learn from the other Gospels that John didn't want to baptize Jesus because he felt that he was unworthy. Jesus, however, insisted on being baptized by John, saying that it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, Jesus was baptized because he was setting himself apart for the work of God. This moment of Jesus' baptism was the moment that Jesus' ministry began. Jesus was also setting the example for all followers of his to follow him in water baptism. In verse 10, it says, when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, the meaning of the word baptized in Greek, baptizo, means that Jesus was immersed underneath the water, as we do today, and then John lifted him up out of the water, and as he did, the Holy Spirit came down on him. And so Jesus was at that point baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was anointed with the power of the Spirit to carry out God's mission for his life. And so in the early church, water baptism and spirit baptism were closely aligned. When people were water baptized, they were also spirit baptized in spoken tongues. And so our prayer is that as the church around the world continues to grow closer to God, we're going to see more and more spirit baptisms associated with water baptism. And so far in this story, we have two members of the Trinity, the Son, that is Jesus, and the Spirit involved. In verse 11, we read that a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. And so now the Father speaks from heaven, the third member of the Trinity, three distinct persons, but united in essence. The Father indicates his pleasure and approval of Jesus baptism in water, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. And those two experiences mark the beginning of Jesus' ministry at 30 years of age. In verse 13, it says, And he, that is Jesus, was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. And so immediately after Jesus was Water baptized and spirit baptized, he was led by the spirit into spiritual warfare with Satan. He was away from other people for 40 days, fasting in the desert. And while he was there, Satan came to him and tempted him to sin against God. And the temptations are recorded in the other Gospels. But Jesus successfully resisted every temptation through the use of God's word. And his, his weakened state, angels came to strengthen him and minister to him. Now, before we continue through chapter 1 of Mark, let's look at two verses at the end of chapter 1. And these verses will give us some additional insight into Jesus' obedience to the Father and how Mark summarized his ministry 
as an example for us. In verse 35, it said, In rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, that is Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And so we see that Jesus made a practice to often get up early in the morning before the sun rose, get away from his disciples. And while in a place where he could be all alone, he prayed and talked to his father. And that was where Jesus received direction, received strength and comfort for the battles that he would face during the coming day. Verse 39, it says, And he went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And so this is the last verse in this first chapter of Mark. It, it summarizes Jesus' ministry, telling us that it consisted of two main activities. First of all, he taught people the truth of God's word in the synagogues where people would listen. And secondly, Jesus cast out many demons that were oppressing the people. Jesus demonstrated the power of God and the compassion of God to help people. And so we learn from this study how we should follow Jesus in obedience. Now, some people might say, well, that was Jesus and we're not Jesus. But Jesus said in John 5, 19, that he only does what he sees the Father doing. In other words, everything that Jesus did was in obedience to the Father. And as we'll see in the next point, Jesus calls people to follow him. Those who follow him in Jesus' day and in our day are called his followers or believers. To follow Jesus is to obey his word and to follow his example. We're going to talk more about that as we go on. But what are the starting points to becoming a follower of Jesus and to follow his example? Well, we're going to see the first one in the next point. But in this point, we see that every person who follows Jesus should be water baptized and spirit baptized. The water baptism is a witness to others and a public commitment of yourself as a believer in Jesus Christ. Spirit baptism, as explained by Jesus in Acts 1.8, is an endowment or anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that Jesus did. And finally, prayer is an essential priority of every follower of Jesus. Not just prayer with others in church on Sunday morning or in small groups, even though this is important, but prayer alone with God on a daily basis. Read God's word systematically and pray daily. If you haven't been doing it that way, pray at least 15 minutes a day and you can move up from that. But make it a, a habit, a time with God, a priority in your life. And finally, when a person... 100% dedicates their life to Jesus as his follower, you're going to enter into spiritual warfare. There's going to be temptations from the evil one. But God is able to give you the victory just as he did with Jesus. And so these are the beginning steps for every believer who wants to, who desires to follow Jesus in obedience. Not only are we to follow Jesus in obedience, we're to follow Jesus in outreach. Our story continues in verse 14. It says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so as John had introduced and baptized Jesus, his mission was over to point the way to the Messiah. And Jesus was now the focus. Jesus was teaching the gospel or good news of God. 
And the good news was that in Jesus, the kingdom of God was at hand. It was right there. And what that meant was that the time was here now when any person could enter the kingdom of God. Now, how could a person enter the kingdom of God? Well, according to Jesus, there were, were two requirements. The first was to repent. To repent is to turn away from sin in your life and to turn towards God. And secondly, a person must believe in the gospel. The gospel is in reality the, the good news about Jesus. The gospel only exists because of Jesus. And so to believe in the gospel is to believe in Jesus. As we study God's word today, we believe in the ministry of life of Jesus, his death on the cross and his resurrection. Not this time in the book of Mark. Well, this was still three years in the future. But Jesus then began to call 12 men to be his disciples. In verse 17, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And so the first two men that Jesus called were the fishermen brothers, Simon and Andrew. And Jesus simply told them to follow him. Now, what did that mean? Well, it meant to leave their nets and vocation as fishermen behind and, and literally follow Jesus wherever he went. How would they eat? Where would they sleep? Well, somehow Jesus would take care of it. And the two and the other ten that Jesus would ultimately call simply left everything to follow Jesus. Now, Jesus' instruction or command that we read was, was also really a promise. It was a conditional promise. Jesus said that if you follow me, he was commanding them to follow me, them, him. But if you follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. They would go from being fishers of fish to fishers of men. Leading someone into being a follower of Jesus would be what a fisher of men would do. Now, undoubtedly, neither Simon nor Andrew knew what it meant to be a fisher of men, but Jesus would teach them what it meant. They would learn by following his example. To follow Jesus in outreach is to allow him to make you a fisher of men. And so now we have the three basic steps to being a follower of Jesus. Just as Jesus called his disciples 2,000 years ago, so he calls people today to be his disciples or followers. Every believer is a disciple or follower of Jesus. That's what a Christian is. The first step for every person is to repent and to believe the gospel. Then in obedience, they are to be water baptized and spirit baptized. So let's think a little more deeply about what it means to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is not simply something you add to your life. To follow Jesus, you must leave other things behind. The disciples had to leave their nets, their vocation. Now, Jesus does not call everyone to leave their vocation, but he does call us to leave everything behind that keeps us from following him. To follow Jesus means to make him and his kingdom the top priority in our lives. Jesus said that we are to seek the king and his kingdom first in everything that we do in life. And then we must allow him to make us fishers of men to be witnesses that lead others to Christ. Now, God gifts different followers with different gifts. Just as there are fishermen in the natural that are very good at catching lots of fish, and some of us not so good, there are believers who are very gifted at being fishers of men. These believers have the gift of outreach or evangelism. Some are even evangelists. But that doesn't mean that each one of us 
shouldn't be seeking to grow as believers who lead others to the Lord. Every day, every disciple should be asking God, how can I be a better fisher of men? Every day we should be praying that our church could catch more people for Jesus. Jesus could have said, follow me and I'll make you all, all kinds of other things, but he didn't. His focus was on them becoming fishers of men, leading people to eternal life. And we too must make it a priority in our lives and in our church to follow Jesus in outreach. Finally, we are to follow Jesus in power. Our story continues in verse 23. It says, Immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And so when Jesus was teaching the word of God in a Jewish synagogue, suddenly a man with a demon and unclean spirit began to yell out. And as we can see from what was said, it's clear the demon was speaking through the man's voice. The demon knew that Jesus had come to ultimately destroy their power. In fact, they knew far more about who he was than the people. He was indeed the Holy One of God. Verse 25, but Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And so Jesus commanded this unclean spirit to stop speaking and come out of the man. The demon sent the man into convulsions as it left him screaming. The demon that had been oppressing the man and taking control of his voice from time to time had been cast out. Jesus has demonstrated his power was greater than demonic power, and he'd set the man free. What other kinds of power was Jesus going to show us? Be an example for us. Well, in verse 30, Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him, Jesus, about her. And he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. And so next we see an example of, of Jesus' power over sickness. Simon's mother-in-law was sick with a fever. I mean, seemingly not a life-threatening illness. And yet the disciples were concerned about her and told Jesus. Jesus didn't dismiss it. It's simply a flu. It's not worthy of my healing. He came to her. He took her hand. He lifted her up out of her bed and she was instantly healed of her fever and back in full health so she could serve them. And so not only did Jesus have power over demons, he also had power over every kind of sickness. Well, the word spread. Verse 32, we see that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And so the stories of Jesus healing the man with the demon in the synagogue, healing the mother-in-law with the fever spread throughout the city. And after work that evening, many came to him bringing both those who were sick of physical illnesses and those who were oppressed by demons. Now in the Greek language, there is a single word for the English phrase oppressed by demons. Uh, this phrase is, uh, this Greek word is often poorly translated in many versions as demon possessed. But the Greek word is daimonizomai, which literally means demonized. And so this word means that there are a range of degrees of demonic oppression possible in a person. We see this in the ministry of Jesus. 
People were set free from demonic oppression that resulted in some type of physical impediment, like being mute, all the way up to a man controlled by thousands of demons. And Jesus cast out or sent away every demon, commanding them to keep silent as they went. And so Jesus is power over both sickness and demons. Now, Jesus said in John 14, 12, that those who believe in him would do the same works that Jesus did. We see in the Gospels both the 12 disciples and then a group of 70 disciples having the same power as Jesus to heal and deliver from evil spirits. And then we continue to see the power of the Spirit bringing healing and deliverance to people throughout the early church in the book of Acts. And going on through the letters of Paul all through the New Testament. And so today, despite the blessings of the medical field, we still have sicknesses that need Jesus' touch. Despite the fact that many in America no longer believe demons exist, they haven't gone anywhere. There's still demons, there's still angels. Unclean spirits are still oppressing people in many different ways. The power of Jesus to heal the sick and set free the oppressed is greatly needed today. Those who believe God's word, those who seek his gifts, will learn to follow Jesus in power. The power of the Spirit shows God's love and compassion to people who are suffering. The power of the Spirit shows that God is stronger than Satan. And finally, the power of the Spirit shows that God is real. And it helps draw people to believe in Jesus. And that is why we must seek to follow Jesus in power as we pray for every need around us. And so today we've, we've just begun our study of Jesus in, in action in the book of Mark. This is not just a historical study. It's, it's challenging us today to be fully committed followers of Jesus. We've learned we must follow Jesus in obedience through water and spirit baptism. We must follow Jesus in, in outreach to be fishers of men in every area of our lives. And finally, we must seek to follow Jesus in power, asking for the Holy Spirit to work through us to bring healing and deliverance from those who are bound by Satan. Now this morning, I want to give everyone listening to this message an opportunity to repent and become a believer if you've, if you've never done that before. Or perhaps you've made a commitment in the past, but you sense that you've fallen away from walking with God and you'd like to recommit your life. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me and to become a follower of Jesus, to become born again. To do that, takes three steps according to the Bible. First of all, you need to A, admit that you've sinned and turn away from that sin or repent. Secondly, you need to believe that Jesus died to forgive you and rose from the dead. And three, you need to commit your life to following Jesus as your Lord. So pray along with me a prayer like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I turn away from those sins and I turn to you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I believe you've risen from the dead. You're alive today. And I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. For those of us who are already believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for this example of Jesus that we've seen of his actions in Mark chapter 1. We're so grateful for his shed blood on the cross that makes available forgiveness for our sins. 
as we repent and believe in you. We thank you for the broken body of Jesus that makes available healing and deliverance from the devil's power. We ask that you heal those who need healing today and set free those who need deliverance. We pray that you'd help each one of us to grow in following you ever more closely. May we follow you in obedience, in outreach, and power. Make each one of us fishers of men. Give this church opportunities to bring many more into your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you made a commitment to Jesus Christ or would like more information, I'd encourage you to connect with us via the link below this video. We'll pray for you, offer you some helpful materials. You can find out more information on our website, lifechurchstlouis.org. Our Sunday morning services are now open at 10 a.m. at 15036 Clayton Road, Chesterfield. You're invited to attend if you live in the St. Louis area. Online donations to help us reach more people for Jesus are available at lcstl.org give. And next Sunday, we're going to continue our message series, Jesus in Action, from the book of Mark with the message, All Authority. I invite you to join us then. God bless and have a great week.